Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We keep business create we rather we help business creators like you win the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community market and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You will find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now let's get into today's episode. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host. I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. And when I say breadth and depth of topics relevant to you, this is one that is probably going to be in a category all by itself. And we have covered some pretty interesting things over our seven plus years at Business Creators Radio. So for those of you who tune in, waiting for me to spaz out and go on a profane rant that's not going to happen because i have something even more tantalizing and ear perking for you today we are going to discuss dead people that's right the title of this episode is going to be intuition the secret is in the sauce of success of life business and love and to share with us on that today, we have somebody who we've been trying to get on this show for about six months now. And we're so happy that our schedules have finally coincided enough for us to sit down for an hour. Her name is Tracy St. Croix, and I'll give you the background. She launched her book, her first book, Seven Tips and Tricks to Enhance Your Intuition, a practical guide to knowing, loving, and trusting your intuition this past spring to five and four star reviews on Amazon. Tracy's experience in the metaphysical world has placed her as the go-to intuitive for Inc. 500 companies, entertainment industry, and blossoming entrepreneurs. Tracy has shared stages with Angel Tucci, Zondra Evans, and Tina Torres on the Connect Summit Virtual, educating entrepreneurs of the value of intuition and business success. She launched Ignite Your Magic, which is a virtual event to educate the public with intuitive development and personal growth. Tracy is featured as the June cover girl for Lemonade Legends Magazine. I'm gonna have to pick up a copy. This past summer, Tracy received a major award from the Angle, or excuse me, the Angel, little typo there, the Angel and Tina Morning Show, one of the ones I tune into as often as I can, the queen of trusting her gut. Tracy St. Croix is an afterlife connection specialist intuitive, which around intuitive. This is where we get the dead people. She provides life-changing experiences by connecting deceased loved ones to friends and family to achieve peace and closure. She received her training from the world-renowned Arthur Finley College of Psychic Sciences in the UK and its sister school, The Journey Within in New Jersey. Tracy's life has been anything but traditional what she has learned is how to blend her intuitive gifts with practical business know-how to create a successful business and lifestyle. Wow. Okay, Tracy St. Croix, come on in. The weather's fine. All right. Hi, Adam. Thank you so much. I'm so psyched that our schedules could finally sync up. Yeah, yeah. And especially when the audience finds out that I have conversations with ghosts and dead people, this is going to be even more interesting. Uh, these are stories that I occasionally share in conversations, but this is going to be a first for Business Creators Radio. And one of the things exciting about it, in fact, one of my experiences with this intuitive afterlife dead people stuff is that it gave me the framework to be able to confidently 
tell people about this stuff and expect to be taken seriously. And I think that's one of the lessons we're going to get today. Before we dive in, what I want to do is I read off your impressive bio. It's so great. I probably don't, I'm probably not worthy to be here and it's my show. Uh, we always ask our guests to tell us a little bit about their personal journey and what's brought them to where they are today, serving from the intersection of their brilliance and passion, creating a difference for their mar for their community market and audience. I'm, I'm just so giddy about this. In your case, I want to I want to focus that a little bit. And you mentioned. Um, you know, how your life has been untraditional. And I know that, um, you know, we don't want to get into the personal stuff too much because there's a boundary that, you know, I also have with my community. Uh, but I'd like to just, if I can, and for our audience, get a little bit more of a sense of how your journey has led you through this to merge intuition with business and lifestyle. Fantastic. You know, Adam, yeah, my life has been anything but uh, traditional. You know the old saying that the writing's always written on the wall, you just don't see it? Yeah. Okay, that was my experience. So, um, you know, the first house that I was, I was brought home to uh, was surrounded literally by dead people. A cemetery for the backyard. Okay. A, an even larger cemetery across the street. And let's not forget about Adam, we need the cherry on top of the cake, the funeral home that was right on the corner that was all within about 200 feet of my doorstep. So I was literally surrounded by dead people in grief my entire life. I like to say I never left the dead, right? And I was raised in a family that was, um, you know, law enforcement and military. That was our family background. So, uh, you know, any kind of intuitive anything, that, that was poo-pooed. It wasn't honored as the woo-woo is what I like to say. But as a child, I always knew when somebody was going to die. Matter of fact, when I was, when I was about four years old, my father was trying to tell me and my younger sister that our great-grandmother had died. And I remember interrupting him and saying, Dad, I know that Grandma is dead. Can we go to McDonald's? She, and, and I remember my father, as being in law enforcement and a, and a police officer and a detective at that time, I remember the look on his face so clearly to this day. Like, what do you say to your four-year-old daughter who just told you that before you could get it out of your mouth? Like, there's not much you can say. And so fast forward... I would always have intuition and things that would happen to me. Um, they weren't beyond the norm to me, but I learned very quickly that my family was not going to nurture that and it was not going to be cultivated. So it kind of lied a little bit dormant, kind of like a volcano that would just spit out smoke every once in a while, but not really erupting. And so as I moved forward and got into my teens and went into my 20s, and you know how the 20s go, let's not yeah. talk about that. Um, I, in my late 20s, I decided to move to Austin, Texas. And when I moved here, everything was great. But then pretty soon, one thing after another, life um, was falling apart. And it was falling apart pretty, pretty darn quickly. And I got to a proverbial bottom. I, I, it was either change everything in your life or die slowly and miserably. And so I wisely chose to, you know, get help for myself psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually. And the moment that I started to do that, my psychic abilities just 
burst open like it was like a, a hidden well. And it was literally like I thought I was living in Grand Central Station because there was just so much noise around me and I was getting so much information and I just didn't know how to digest it or what to do. And so luckily I got in contact with uh, Elaine Ireland and she is a very well-known, what I call her, an ancient wisdom keeper here in Austin, Texas. And, and I called her and I remember I was crying. And I mean, it was like, it was like the snot nose crying because I was so just scared about what was happening to me. And I told her what was going on and she said, oh honey, you're not crazy. You're just psychic as hell. Now I'm gonna need you to come over to my house. I'm having a beginner's intuition class. You just come on over, we'll get you straightened right up. And she sure did. And that was the start of my journey where I started to be able to learn a structure behind receiving and giving information. And, and as I started to take that class, I took another class and then I took another and then I took another and fast forward, here we are. Wow, that's quite a thing. All yeah. right, so there's a few things that we're going to discuss, particularly how this impacts business owners. And listen, right. listening to the Business Creators Radio Show know that our experience that we look to create for our listeners, and when we do this successfully, we've hit the target, is to make them feel like they are sitting in on a private mastermind session. We found that many of our listeners will tune into this thing and stream it in the background while they're doing other things. So we like to sometimes be provocative and edgy because it breaks them out of their white line fever and cause them to tune in further. And I think with what I'm about to reveal, I'm going to have a few folks, even those who have known me for a long time and know that I'm uh, nine tenths an oddball, are gonna say, wow, I never knew that about you. Right. All right, so actually, I've had three formative experiences with dead people. Um, the first that I'm going to mention is my paternal grandfather who died when I was four years old. And I have one living memory of him. It's when he was dying of cancer, and I was visiting his house, and he was sitting in his chair in his living room watching television. He had one of his cigars lit. I mean, he, I, I guess that's where I get that from. Uh, he, uh, and I heard him growl something. And uh, that makes sense because I've been told by people like my dad, for example, that he had a really, really deep voice. Well, anyway, I kept seeing him appear in my dreams. Yeah. As, and, and he looked, and, and, and in his dream, in the dreams, he appeared the way I saw him in pictures when he was about 50 years old. Yeah, that's and, very yeah, common. Right. And he would... And many times I would realize, wait a minute, Grandpa's dead, and I'd wake up. And eventually I got to the point where I saw him again, and I said, okay, I know this is a dream. I'm going to do everything I can to not wake up here because he's going to say something. And I heard him say, when the mill closed, I had to dig a ditch. Which actually is factual because he was uh, a foreman in a U.S you know, working for U.S. Steel, and after the mill closed for a few years before he could get on with the Department of Transportation, uh, which became his second career, he, one of the many odd jobs he did was digging ditches. The lesson that I got from that, the lesson I got from that is that he was saying two things. Number one, be mindful of how much of your time is spent digging ditches rather than supervising the project. And number two, don't be afraid to dig a ditch once in a while if it gets you closer to the treasure. 
Correct. So since then, I've been going through looking at what I do on a day-to-day basis. And this has been going on for years thinking, okay, if, I, if I'm doing what is in the entrepreneurial world known as ditch digging, is this actually bringing me closer to treasure or is it just getting me deeper into a hole? Exactly. Yeah. So that's the second one. And uh, I'm going to do the, and I'm doing this in, these in reverse order of shock value for those who, uh, you know, you think know, I'm oddly enough. <laughs> yeah. And, and Adam, dreams are the easiest way that our loved ones can get to us because our consciousness is calm. We're not fighting reality and boom, they can get us. Yeah. All right. So here's, so here's the second one. This happened in, um, this happened uh, right after the 4th of July in 2013. Uh, it was whatever the Saturday was after Independence Day that year. Oh. And, you know, you, know, you know, during the night, you know, like Saturday morning, I had my, I had the store manager from when I used to work at, at a Wendy's when I was in college. It was my college summer job. Uh, I remember the gentleman's name is Dennis Schreffler. Uh, he's actually one of the people I dedicated Groundhog Day as an event, not a business strategy to, because... In his office, he used to keep a bowl sitting on his desk that had cracks in it. And he explained to me the principle of kintsugi, which is uh, an Eastern art where when something breaks, you put it back together, but you line the cracks with a precious metal to show how the breaks and how they've healed actually makes the thing stronger. Uh, mm-hmm. That was, that was his, one of his living lessons to me. The other lesson to me is that I, 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 saw, him, I saw him in the dream and I hadn't seen him in like 13 years, but it was like he was, it was like he was standing right in front of me and we had some kind of brief conversation and he said, I'll see you in Las Vegas. And then I woke up. Wow. I woke up thinking, you know what? Uh, you know, it's been 13 years and, uh, and, you know, he was my boss and I was, you know, like a, like a, like a teenager or somebody just turning 21 when I worked for him, but I'm a man now and he's a man. There's no reason I can't, can't call him up man to man and have a chat with him, maybe get together and catch up. So I, uh, so I went online just to see what he was doing those days. And I was reading about how his funeral was taking place that morning. Huh. Yep. So I, but I remembered that phrase, see you in Las Vegas. And I thought to myself, you know, I've been sitting here in Pittsburgh. Uh, I have done very little to plant roots here. Uh, even my living situation, even though I've been living in the same place for eight years, has a temporary feel to it because I know I don't belong here and I need to go somewhere else. So I looked at it and I said, okay, so my lease here ends on Halloween. That gives me July, August, September, October. I can absolutely get the hell out of this place and out to Las Vegas by Halloween. So mm-hmm. that very day, I went over to my parents' house and uh, and I told them, uh, guys, just so you know, I'm leaving. It's, wow. it's like it's like that experience was like him reaching out from the grave that he was in the process at that moment of being lowered into to tell me that it was time to get on with my life. Because part of the thinking process was at that time when I had that dream, I was the same age then as he had been when I worked for him. Yeah, that makes sense. They will oftentimes come to you in a form that you can recognize and relate to. Yeah. Okay, so here's the, yeah, so here's the third one, and um, and this is and this is the one that uh, is maybe going to get a few tongues wagging, and you know what? That's perfectly fine. I was uh, 
you know, when I was a kid, my idea of an after school activity that was really fun was going to the library and reading encyclopedias. I kid you not. Uh, I had a set of my own encyclopedias at home. This was pre-internet, so I didn't have the Wikipedia to get lost on, and I didn't have 100 articles about any subject I wanted to learn about. There were no streaming documentaries. We lived in the country. We got three stations on rabbit ears. So I didn't have access to nearly the information I, we have today, and that's actually laying groundwork from what I'm about to reveal. This story is slightly longer, uh, so just bear with me on this. Uh, one night, I was maybe about 12, 13 years old. I used to stay up late, and, uh, you know, some kids stay up late to play video games, and they're oh, supposed yeah. to be in bed. I stayed up late when, and because uh, there was a separate room behind my bedroom. It was a finished room. It had a desk in it, and I would sit in there, and I would read until I didn't feel like reading anymore, which sometimes was half the night. I was reading something about World War II, and then I heard an accented voice in front of me say, make sure they know the truth. Wow. I'm going to give you one guess whose voice that that was. I feel military. Yeah, yeah, he was wearing a uniform when I when he when I looked up and I saw him. I don't know all the rankings in military, but I see a lot of stars on him. He had a lot of stars, but they were stars that he placed on himself. He didn't earn them in battle. Ah. And all I keep hearing is the word administration. So was he in politics as well? Was he in some kind of administration world? He was the prime minister of his country. And not only was he prime minister, he was sometimes made fun of because he would simultaneously serve as the head of several of his own cabinet departments. So he, ah. liked, to, so he liked to convince people that he was deep in administration all day long and all night. In fact, he had a practice of having the, the lights left on in his office all night long so people would think he was working all night. What a little shithead. <laughs> I'll give, I'll, uh, if you, do you have any other intuitive, uh, because so far you nailed this. I am not a big World War II buff. Um, and all I keep seeing, I keep seeing the initial W. So Flip is there a W in his name or his title? Flip the W upside down. I am. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Um, was it some kind of like, um, I know you said minister, so obviously it's not going to be an American type of name because no, I keep no. hearing like a very foreign name that I am going to butcher if I try to actually pronounce it. Give it a shot. It's like it seems to me like you say it's like an M, like an M O type of name. I want to say like M O N, like a Morini. Yeah, that's name. yeah, that's actually part of the last name. Okay, what is it? Benito Mussolini. Ah. I swear to God, he was right there in that green uniform of his with the, with the field marshal patch so on his shoulder. Funny. And he was saying, he said, make sure they know the truth. And he, and he spoke with a, with kind of a throaty voice and it had a really thick accent to it, but it wasn't English. Wow. And before I could ask what he meant by that, I heard my door open and close, which was him leaving. Periodically, he would reappear in my waking moments and it would be some variation of make sure they know the truth. Make sure they know the whole story about me. Don't let them 
don't let them hate me without knowing all the facts, things like that. Wow. So I'll fast forward to the part where his role in my life comes in. Uh, about seven years ago, I was going through a situation, well, let's be candid, it was a breakup of a relationship that was really ugly and really nasty. And uh, although we try and do our best, uh, there, you know, if somebody told the story, I might not exactly come out looking perfect in that. A lot of people go, a lot of good people go through relationships and end up looking bad over it. And I was concerned that... Um, somebody would run their mouth about something that either did or didn't happen and next thing you know my clients would get a hold of it and uh they and they would say wait a minute this 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 is this is how you handle relationships uh mm -hmm. you know, that sort of thing it was i mean it was overblown but you know you know being in that oh, state yes. of having just broken up with somebody you have that you have that sense of guilt you have that sense of oh my god what have i done here how did i screw this up so bad that sort yep. of thing yep so I did a, a visioning, so I actually went and saw my hypnotherapist, and uh, we did a vision on how am I going to get over this breakup? I don't have months to be sad here. I just moved to Las Vegas. I didn't, uh, I didn't come here to moan, right? <laughs> you know, sin, sin City of all places. I mean, I'm I ain't got time for this. I was, yeah. I, was in the, I was in the rebound capital of the world. I can't have the shackle from three time zones away holding me down. I got to get over this. Right. This is gonna work. This is gonna go against my beginner's luck in the casinos. We need right. to do something about well, this. Well, I was thinking some other casinos, but okay, we're on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. So we begin to do this exercise and it goes to a few different places. And next thing you know, I find myself standing in Mussolini's office in the Palazzo Venezia, which was called the Whoa. Sala di Mappamondo, which was that giant room that had a big globe in the center of it that was the size of a ballroom where he had his desk in one corner. They, they did pictorials on it, just how huge his office was. And I was standing in front of his desk and he was on the telephone and I was trying to get his attention. They, they, they kept, and my hypnotherapist kept saying, get his attention, get his attention. And I tried to raise my hand. I tried to wave to him. And then I pulled a chain on one of the two lamps he had mounted to the desk. And I saw those lamps just like I saw them in the pictures. It's like I was actually there. And then he looked up and gave me, you know, held up his finger to say one second. Huh. And so after he got off the telephone, he put his hands on his desk, slumped his shoulders and looked up at me with that, that weary expression that said, Make sure they know the truth. I tried to stop it. Oh. All right. So my hypnotherapist then guided me to say, all right, walk behind his desk and pick up the telephone and start speaking. And I went ahead and did that. He stepped out of my way while I went and picked up his telephone. And I started speaking to whoever it was that he had just been on the telephone with. It was coming out in Italian but I knew it meant, never mind what I said before, go ahead with the plan, fuck the League of Nations. Wow. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm just saying it that way because that's what the words that were coming out of my mouth. I mean, literally, you got sucked back into like kind of like a time warp. Exactly. So the wow. Next, yeah, so the next thing I know, I looked up at one of the walls in, in the map room, and there was a map on the wall of, of continental Europe, and I saw this this dark blue liquid rise up from Italy, go through Austria, and then go into Germany up to about as far as Munich, and then stop. And then all of Germany turned blue after that. Wow. The ne next thing you know, uh, I'm in a classroom somewhere in a dilapidated schoolhouse that has actually been shut down, and I'm looking at the chalkboard, 
and uh, there's there's Mussolini again, and he's uh, and he has a, and he has a, a stick in his hand like teachers used to hold when they would point at the chalkboard, and he and he takes the stick and he taps on the chalkboard, and I see the date written on the chalkboard, July eleventh, nineteen thirty four. Okay, what happened July eleventh, nineteen thirty four? Okay, we're gonna get we're gonna get to the end. That of this. is associated so, with the map that you saw. Yeah. We're going to get to this right now. I'm going to finish this up because then we're going to get into how the intuitive matches the business. I'm sharing these stories because I want to let people see how real this stuff is and also get your reactions to it as well. So, and you've done so far so good in terms of tying this back to why the intuitive world is so important to entrepreneurs. Oh, we could have, we could have like hours and hours of conversation just about this Mussolini experience. I'm sure, I'm sure we could. Now he, now I haven't spoken with him since. Uh, so the point is he delivered the message. Here's the message. It wasn't July 11th, 1934. It was actually July 25th, 1934. That was the day that um, there was a coup d'etat in Austria where the chancellor, whose name was Engelbert Dolfus, was assassinated by Nazis. And it was considered a prelude to Hitler's first attempt to take over Austria. Now, at the time, uh, and this is another historical fact, uh, the propaganda has led us to believe that Hitler and Mussolini were best buddies. They were frenemies on their best day. Yes. Yeah, and you, and you know that from an actual study of history. Yes. Well, at the time, this was long before they even really got together and had any serious conversations about working together. And, uh, and it was somewhat known that Mussolini actually did not want Hitler to consolidate his power. This was also in the early days of Hitler being in charge in Germany and he hadn't completely consolidated his power. I mean, this was either right before or right after the night of the long knives. So we weren't there yet. Anyway, on July 25th, 1934, uh, the Nazis assassinated the Austrian chancellor. The Chancellor of Austria was one of Mussolini's really good friends. Not only that, but at the time that Chancellor was assassinated, uh, that Chancellor's wife and children were guests of Mussolini's family staying in his house with his wife and his children. So not only does he have to deal with his, with his friend being shot, uh, having a potential war break out on his border, because if you look at the map of Europe, you see that was pretty damn close. But yeah. now he has to go home and he has to deal with grieving widows and every other damn thing. I mean... I mean, Mussolini was what he was, and different people have different opinions of him, but, you know, he was a human being. He's probably thinking, oh, shit, I got to deal with this? Yep. So, and I don't know how. Yeah. Any, anyway, uh, there's a theory. There's a theory. It hasn't been proven, but I've seen articles that speculate on this, that at about that time, he reached out to the British and the French and offered to invade Germany and stop Hitler from consolidating power before it was too late. And all he asked them to do was to send him money and not condemn him in a resolution in the League of Nations for doing so. And he didn't get that support, and he just sort of let it go. Wow. So the point behind that is he was in a situation where he was basically damned if he didn't, damned if he didn't. And no matter how he reacted to that situation – no matter how noble his approach may have been, um, one approach, you know, not starting a war makes you a peacekeeper, but then you allow this other thing to happen. Another approach is starting a war, but then you stop this other thing from happening. I mean, how do you know what's right? You but know, the you're point stuck is, but in the a rock in a hard place. Yeah, but, but the point is he, 
according to this theory, he allowed the opinions of others and his concerns about the trouble that might lead him to stop him from doing something that might have saved 30 million lives. So the message to me and all that that I picked up was, yeah, there are going to be times when you don't look perfect. Uh, not every hour is going to be your finest, but the people who matter are going to stick by you and they're going to understand whether or not they agree. Exactly. And also there's, you know, there's another lesson in that for you as well. Oh, this, this would be good. This oh good yeah, Mussolini, he was trying to tell you to trust yourself. Yeah. And not let outside influences influence what you know is right in your heart and in your gut. That goes along with it, yeah. And, and regardless of whether somebody is, you know, where they are in the spectrum of the percentage of good and evil and how you perceive that, they have to deal with situations too. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, and, uh, you know, there are a lot of heinous things about Mussolini that make him, you know, to me, a very undesirable individual, but his life and what he did for his country were not completely without, without merit either. In fact, it was, in many cases, his inability to stand with his convictions and his susceptibility to the opinions of others that led to his ruin, if you really want to look at it factually. Yeah, and, you know, that can, that can tie right into a lot of the you know, top three problems that entrepreneurs have. Let's get into that now. I think we've heard enough about my, uh, my ghost stories. So uh, let's, uh, let's uh, get into Your ghost stories are cool. Yeah. We oh, I, oh, all, we can exchange stories all day long. <laughs> I bet you, I bet you we could. So, uh, so now let's link this to the entrepreneurial side of this. And, uh, and for those who are in the audience right now, who are thinking, I got to, subscribe to this because I got to see what kind of whacked up shit he comes up with next <laughs> with their mouths gaping open that I just said this in a business conversation. Uh, let's link this to business so that it makes sense. Go ahead. Yeah. So I work a lot with um, CEOs and budding entrepreneurs. And a lot of people think like, wait a minute, what does intuition have to do with my business? Right. And I tell them half of it, that's what it has to do. Because to be a successful entrepreneur, half is logic, half is, is gonna be intuition, following your gut. There's a um, really wonderful astrologist, his name is Robert Ohato, and one of his yeah. best sayings, and I acquire it because it's the truth, goes a little something like this. Um, highly successful entrepreneurs either have a highly developed sense of intuition themselves, or they hire somebody who does. Okay. And Adam, I will tell you what people on this podcast that are listening today, tomorrow, and forever to come would be shocked to know at some of the companies that are very well known that you see advertisements for every day that have psychics and astrologers on their back payroll they're we, they're not dumb we have presidents who consult with astrologers exactly yeah because it there's a science behind it no it is not a a physical science like medical but there is an art and there is a science behind intuition and that's what i love to i like to call it enlighten entrepreneurs about just how you were talking about Mussolini not trusting his own heart and his own gut 
and yeah. this yeah. happened. Right? Yeah, he could have saved 30 million lives. In fact, exactly. now, that you mention it, now that you mention it, the night after we did that exercise, he did appear to me one more time, but it was in a dream, and it wasn't him speaking directly to me. Uh, I have a feeling, Adam, he is what you would call a little bit of a spirit guide in the spirit world, that he when could you be. need help with something, he appears. Yeah. So so here's what it was. It's like I, it's like I was watching... One, uh, like a newsreel from the early 1960s. And uh, those who uh, can go back and, on YouTube and watch news reports from the early 1960s, and it appeared to be him being interviewed. He looked about like he was about 80 years old, which is about how old he would have been within that timeline. And you saw him sitting in a very ornate high back chair wearing his military uniform, which already signals that there was another version of his life where he didn't end up shot and then hung from a meat hook. Yep. And I, I remember a small piece of the dialogue and it was just a very small piece. And it was the, and it was the interviewer saying, saying, how do you feel about the 15,000 people who died when you invaded Germany? Huh. And I, and I, and I heard that same deep accented voice saying, I saved 15 million lives. Did you read that bastard's book? Wow. See, he's really coming to you when you need that information. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully he's told me everything he needs that I need to know from him, but all the same. I don't suspect you have heard the last of Mr. Mussolini. Oh, God. Oh, please. No. I'm going to have dreams tonight. <laughs> yeah, but think about it, Adam. He is your kind of, he is your guide that comes to you. And he is like a no BS, no gray area. He's going to straight up tell you how it is. Okay. In your life. Think about all the examples that you said he came to you. Yeah. And it was, here's the information, bud. There's no sugar. There's no icing on top. Here you go, sweetheart. Okay. So whenever you need a very like direct answer, tell it, tell it to me how it is, ask for him to come to you in a dream. Or perhaps you don't even have to wait until you're asleep. Ask him to give you a sign in the physical world. Like literally tell him, I need a freaking billboard Mussolini because I don't get it. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's let's shift this one over to you because I think I get the point here. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, com I'm communing I'm communing with the founder of fascism. That's awesome. All right. So you have you've had a story about a technological issue that actually exemplifies what you just said about being able to summon someone at will or to command yourself to dream about them that you shared with me in the green room. And I think that's going to be a great transition uh, that shows how this ties to entrepreneurship. Go ahead. Yes, and I also want to make one point. Mussolini is probably have done some soul growth on on the other side. So we know that he's he did some really really bad bad stuff. Yeah. But we know that he has he has done some soul growth, or he wouldn't be coming to people to try to help them out. Now, for every entrepreneur that's looking that's out there and they're struggling with a problem, they're struggling with should I hire this guy? Should I fire this guy? Should yeah. I get more capital? Should I get investors, whatever it may be, you can always ask somebody in the spirit world for help because that's really what they want to do. They want to help us. So for example, with me, I was having a technical issue that was beyond me. I'm really great at talking to the dead 
I'm not so good at the technical stuff. So I was laying in bed and I was like, you know what? I was like, Mr. Stephen Hawkins, okay. I'm talking to you. I need your help. And this is what I need your help with. I need either an epiphany of how to fix this myself, or I need you to put somebody in front of me that knows exactly how to solve this problem immediately. And I went to bed and I said, thank you for your kind help and your service to the world. And the next morning, what do you know? I woke up, boom, found somebody instantly to help me out with my computer issue. Wow, that's had good. It settled, no cost, no nothing. There you go. There it is. And I said, thank you. And I'm not a big, you know, I'm sure I could have called upon a bunch of other techie guys, but that was the only name I could come up with that late at night and it worked. Yeah. So the thing is, is like, if you're struggling with a problem as an entrepreneur, is there somebody maybe in the spirit world that you trust, that you trusted as an entrepreneur, perhaps a family member, maybe a friend, maybe a friend's parent, or somebody who, who is very well known here? Ask them for help. Say, help me know the truth of this and show it to me in a way that is obvious and keep showing it to me. Because with me, I tell them, keep showing it to me because sometimes I'm not so quick on the uptake, okay? I need multiple signs. And I swear you will be amazed if you just kind of step back and go, all right, let me see how this is going to come through. Because oftentimes we think, well, am I going to get an email? Am I going to get a text message? Am I going to get a phone call? No, spirit doesn't work like that. That's not how intuition generally works. It works in more subtle ways. And just like with your dreams and your experiences with, with the dead, it was all about you had to figure out the symbology. You had to figure out what did that mean because it wasn't a linear or a logical conversation. Yeah. That's so, how spirit talks. Spirit uses right. symbols. It's a lexicon built on symbols and colors and and just uh, a language that is not uh, taught in school is the best way I could put it. That makes sense. So I got to ask a question. I know some of our listeners are probably thinking right now. You and I uh, have an alignment on this. And, you know, some people I know understand what we're speaking about here as well and there are probably still some that are going to listen to this say okay is this guy gonna is this guy gonna coach me and counsel me and consult with me through my business using a, a literal crystal ball like what am i getting into here so let's ask a, a question that helps people understand this for themselves um how does somebody know if their intuition is real or if it's just their ego running wild okay that is a wonderful question and i teach my students this is one of the first things that i teach them how to do is your intuition is gonna keep coming back around to you, okay? So say for instance, you get an idea or you get an offer for something and you're like, oh my God, it's the most fantastic thing in the whole wide world. Okay, great. Sit with it for just a minute and see how it feels. Does that idea keep coming back around to you? Like I have a lot of entrepreneurs. I keep telling them, you're gonna be expanding your business. Yeah, 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 I've been pushed to that. Your intuition will 
push you again and again and again. That idea will keep coming around either to yourself, maybe you see it on a show, maybe you have a friend encourage you, maybe you hear a random conversation of strangers in public talking about it. Okay. You, know, you get what's called a cledon with that. Your ego will grab onto something and it'll get all excited about it and then it usually just fizzles out. It won't come back around with the same sort of enthusiasm or you'll have trouble even getting it off the ground. If it's an idea or if it's, you know, yeah, I want to hire this guy. I'm going to hire him. I'm going to hire him. He's the best CFO ever. And all of a sudden you find out, you know, well, the guy's not returning your calls. He's hard to get a hold of, you know, his references aren't checking out all the, you know, scheduled zoom calls are falling through. That's kind of like an ego thing. Yeah. Is that okay. That, that, ma that makes a lot of sense. So does everyone have intuition or is it just you and me and a few other chosen people? Yes, the chosen ones. No, this is my full and utter belief. Look, everybody has intuition. And I fully believe, you know, whether people have a God, have a universe, have Allah, have Buddha, whatever they have, even if they don't have anything, you have intuition. Because I am a firm believer that, you know, God did not bring us here and literally drop us on our head and say, good luck, kid. Right? Intuition is that hidden app inside of us that I tell everybody. We all have it. It's just that some of us have an easier time putting the settings together and working with it. Others get glimpses of it here and there or dreams or hunches but you can always learn how to strengthen it and learn how to manage your settings on your app even better. I tell people also, it's like this. Everybody can pretty much do basic math, right? Most Adding, people. Yeah, yeah, most people can do basic math, but not everybody can do trigonometry. Not everybody gets geometry. It's the That's same situation. Everybody has it. It's just that some people have it a little bit stronger and more in depth than others, but everybody has intuition. There's not one person in this audience that's listening to this show right now or anytime in the future that has never been able to say, you know, I had a gut feeling about that person. I had a gut feeling I shouldn't have gone that night and I'm glad I didn't, or I just knew, I just knew about this situation. Everybody has experienced that. And that is your intuition talking to you. So everybody has it. I'm very passionate about that point. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and some may start, start to translate it as everything happens for a reason. And maybe that is the case. And there are just layers of, of death to it. I'm not, I'm kind of blanking out right this second. But I know that there have been many cases in my life where something just told me don't do this or don't go out tonight or uh let this one pass you by and yeah. i find out later on for specific reasons it was a good thing that i did and that or i find out that if i went through with it anyway i find myself regretting it very quickly i don't understand the correlation between the two things and sometimes it's not mapped out in precise words Correct. But you can tell it's there. Yeah. Intuition, I like to tell people, intuition is not oftentimes not logical, nor is it linear, nor is it always going to give you 
the total and complete playbook. It's going to give you exactly what you need. So you get what you need, not what you want all the time. Right. And I agree with you. The times that I have not listened to my intuition, I have lived to sorely regret those decisions. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, every like, every pain in the ass clients. Yeah. The one, the ones that, the ones whose stories were so bad they ended up in the Groundhog Book. Uh, like, when, <laughs> like when I tell the story about how I had three clients from hell all at the same time. Oh, and, and it got to the point where I got so frustrated with the situation, I shattered my printer into a thousand pieces because <gasps> somebody had to pay for this. I I think back to those situations, and one of the clients in particular, the one who was the absolute worst to deal with, and I remember when he was introduced to me by the person who referred him to me, and when the person made the introductions on the group phone call, and he kept speaking to the other person and not even acknowledging I was there. I should have literally hung up the phone, claimed that I had a connection issue, and then just never come back to it. Yep. It's like you know, some, somehow I knew right then this is going to be a cluster. Yep. But I, but I allowed that sense of, but what if, my, what if this person who's referring them to me uh, was unhappy that I just jumped off this referral? What if I went through with the call and said, no, I don't want this one? How would that make them feel? So that would have been another situation where I intuitively knew what was going to serve me best, but I was lacking that one piece of me, or I hadn't yet found that one piece of me, I think is a better, is a better metaphor that tells me, yeah, not all of your decisions are going to be popular, but people who disagree with them may still respect them. Exactly. And when you, that's, that's another part that I teach my students. Once you start to trust your intuition and trust that you're working with, uh, you know, whatever you call it, God, Allah, spirit, universe, and that it is, it is a partner with you. Once you start making those decisions based on intuition plus logic, your self-confidence increases. Your ability to set boundaries and limits with others to say, you know, that's not right for me. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or, you know, politely bow out of opportunities by saying, you know, I have a lot on my plate. I'll take a look at it and I'll get back with you if it's something I'm interested in. Yeah. And by having that, that, you know, knowing of truth within yourself can help entrepreneurs even more because when it comes down to it, those people that you're afraid that you're going to offend by not taking their client or doing something like that, are they paying your phone bill? Last are they time, putting last your time kids I, through private school? Last time no. I checked, only my clients are paying me. Exactly. And so focus in on what, you know, on what really matters. And I, you know, the, the fun little exercises I take my clients through to begin with is I teach them how, you know, truth versus lie and how it, truth feels in you and how a lie feels in you. Yeah. And then you start to know that because when people and clients are talking to you, you get that same oogity boogity feeling like, oh, oh, not for me. And not that the, you know, everybody's going to, you know, bold face lie to you, but it's more like knowing like what that person just said might not be the whole truth. And I probably don't want to find out actually what the truth is. I'm going to pass on this. Oh my God, something, something's hitting me right now. What? Where intuition was working for me, but I didn't even see it consciously as it was happening. 
this was a this was a few weeks ago from uh, from today when we're sitting down and having this conversation. But do you remember a few weeks ago when uh, when the president caught the bug? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That day, uh, that was I remember that was a uh, you know Thursday night he caught the yep. bug and then Friday they took him to Walter Reed. Um, that afternoon, that Friday afternoon, I'd already been talking this up. I was supposed to do a live stream that was going to be my shot across the bow for uh, starting a new program that I'm currently in the process of rolling out to the marketplace. And uh, two things went on for me that afternoon. Uh, one of which was that it didn't feel right to do this live stream for some reason. Now, that being said, uh, you know, I have a practice of keeping my personal news feeds on both Facebook and LinkedIn, which are the two platforms I actually use, uh, agnostic when it comes to political and social right. and things like that, because those, you know, my feelings and opinions on those things are something that I feel people uh, need to earn the privilege of knowing and vice versa. Plus, I, I, I know the value of arguing with strangers on the internet. So, <laughs> so, I, so when I do have those conversations, it's either in private groups or it's in person. Anyway, something intuitively told me to, and I recognize the intuition was there, although I didn't see it in the moment, to go to my Facebook wall and post a portrait of the, the president and the first lady and type uh, as follows. I am in quiet contemplation, sending all positive energy I can find toward our president, first lady, and everyone else close to them who's being affected, either by also being COVID positive and or how it's otherwise impacting them as their family and loved ones. And then I brace myself. But right. something told me, leave it. And don't post anything else for a while. In fact, don't do anything else for a while. Just leave it, but keep checking back. Uh, by the time that was done, I had just over 50 reactions to it, all of which were positive. And I got, I don't know, maybe, I don't have it in front of me. It might've been like 20 comments, give or take, or something like that. And almost all of them were completely positive in a way. Now, yeah. a, couple, now a couple people came onto my feed, uh, one of which was somebody, you know, one of those people you know you knew a long time ago, and they mm -hmm. kind of get stuck on your friends list, even though you're in different lives now. Decides after not speaking with me for three years uh, to come post on my wall in all capital letters. I hope that mf -er dies. <gasps> and then, and then I got one other comment along a similar, uh, along a similar vein. And the third person jumped in and said, "Yeah, well, maybe if you guys would stop letting Putin drag you around by your genitals, uh, you wouldn't have these problems." Wow. So uh, what did I do? Deleted the comments, didn't even respond to it, and give, didn't give anybody else a chance to jump in on it, and unfriended those people. What I'm thinking is happening now, what I'm recognizing, is that my intuition was telling me that there was negativity brewing below the surface of my online tribe that needed to find its own place where it could be happy, and yeah. it was time for me to surface that. And, yes. the, and, and the opportunity of posting something that really only a, a really negative, hateful person could have a problem with and allowing that to come to the surface made my experience on social media a lot more pure, thus clearing the way of energy that might stop me from moving forward with what I need to do to grow the business with my new initiatives. Exactly. I, I pray a lot, you know, for people, yeah. places, and things that no longer serve my highest and best to go away. 
yeah. be taken away easily. You know, our intuition is always going to guide us. And it was really funny that you had that experience on, on Wednesday, you said? Uh, whatever, whatever, whatever day that was that uh, he caught the bug. Yeah. Um, because I remember that Wednesday, I had been very uneasy and anxious. I kept feeling like the other shoe was going to drop. Yeah. And I couldn't figure out what that was. Well, I had a conversation with, with my mentor. We happened to call each other and we were both in the same kind of state. And I said, what is going on here? I go, something just doesn't feel right. It feels like something's coming and a big shoe is going to drop. And, and I said, all I, all I keep, you know, getting pulled to is not just the election, but I kept getting pulled to the president. And I said, I don't know what is going on with that. I said, but there is something big on the horizon coming that's that's like a brick wall. And sure enough, I think that news dropped. Like, I, I don't even know. What was that? He posted that 1 a.m. on Friday morning Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, give or take. I was just getting back from an event. I was just getting from an, yeah. an event, back from an event. And I logged in. And I, and I, and I saw I was seeing it for the first time. I'm thinking, what the? Yeah. And it was funny because as soon as I saw that and it came over my phone, I sent it, I sent it to Elaine and I go, other shoe dropped. Uh-huh. And so sometimes even with intuition, I tell people, like, I don't, you know, I don't always know all of the specific details. Like, I don't have the play by play. This is going to happen. And then this is going to happen. And then, you know, he's going to say this and she's going to say that. Yeah. You know, sometimes we just get the broader picture. We get what we need. It was just like last year before COVID hit. I couldn't figure out why I was so scared of getting sick. And I'm not one of those people. Yeah. I'm not afraid. I'm around a lot of pre, you know, pre-COVID. I'm a very public figure. I'm around a lot of people, a lot of handshaking and hugs and tears and crying. And I got viciously scared of getting sick. Then I found myself overbuying at the store, overbuying toilet paper, overbuying things that I'm like, why am I doing this? I, I don't understand. And then COVID hit and then I got it. My intuition was telling me long before I had anything tangible in front of me was preparing me for what was to come. I couldn't put my finger on it, but all I knew was just follow it. Just right. you know, trust, trust that this is for your highest and best and you're protected. And so it, it goes to show like our intuition isn't always, you know, you know, big pie in the sky. Here's a text message, right? Because I tell folks anyway, even if I was to tell you, if I was to give you the play-by-play script of the topic that you want me to ask about, you would go through there and edit it and go, nope, I don't want that to happen. Nope, he can't say that. Nope, 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 nope. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we have five minutes left here. And uh, I know we can can go for hours. We go for hours. I have one question, one opportunity that we got to wrap up. So the final question is for somebody who's an entrepreneur who actually wants to tap into this, what, you know, quickly are your three top tips to utilize your intuition building your business? So the top three tips, one is going to be when you have to make any kind of major decision, give yourself five or 10 minutes to step back and, and be somewhere quiet. 
just to hear your own voice, your own intuition about that decision. Start with something and, and don't have to wait until catastrophe strikes to do this. Do this on little decisions. Start yeah. little. You know, the second the second tip that I always have is test it out. And by starting little, start with, okay, I'm going to have a Zoom meeting today with 15 people. And I know, I know Susie's going to be there, Johnny's going to be there, and Danny's going to be there. Okay, what's going to be the dominant color that Susie's going to be wearing? First color that comes to you, go with it. Okay. And see. See where it's at. And the third part is write things down. When you get in it, what I like to call an intuitive hit, whether it's maybe you hear a thought in your head or maybe you just get this gut feeling, write that down and see and go back and see how that played out. See how that made sense that day, that week, or what situation was coming forward. It'll always be revealed. It's just not revealed in what I like to call our, you know, my time. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. All right. So thank you very much for that. And for those um, who uh, are still actually tuned in and not completely weirded out by this very interesting topic uh, and actually want to dive into it a little bit more, um, how do they start that process and what can they look forward to uh, when they uh, move in your direction? You can reach me at TracyStCroy360.com. Uh-huh. Uh, on there, you're going to find all different kinds of ways to contact me from social media to my website to phone numbers to emails. You'll find everything that you need on there. And plus, you can download a free mini seven tips and tricks to enhance your intuition for all of your lovely viewers onto there. What we can do is if you feel comfortable, we'll make a discovery phone call with me and we'll see if me and you and your business fit together to do intuitive strategy sessions because sometimes businesses I, I'm just aren't right for me and I'm, and I'm okay with that, but your intuition um, tells you so. Um, yeah, it'll make it pretty darn, darn clear real quick. If we're going to be, um, if we're going to be a match in being able to work together. Right. Okay. So I'm going to spell, I'm going to spell that domain because okay. uh, when I hear St. Croix, I visualize something in my mind. It's one letter different from how I normally, how it's normally spelled. So Correct. that is T-R-A-C-Y-S-T-C-R-O-I-3-6-0.com. Correct. Yeah, I just wanted our listeners to get that. Uh, and so Tracy St. Croix, uh, thank you so much for this exciting journey through the lands of the dead people. Uh, it has been an honor and education and even a bit mind-blowing for me. Yeah, I, I absolutely love talking to entrepreneurs and about this hidden hidden tool that they don't know that they can take advantage of themselves to help to be more successful. Why not? Absolutely. All right. So we're at the top of the hour. So thank you very much. And for everybody listening, we trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please take a moment, check out our previous and our upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Till next time, have a great day. Take care. <laughs>